if I only had one um, tool in my entire technology stack, it would be a pricing tool, period. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here by myself today because E is on a flight in Italy. So there's not going to be any chit-chat back and forth. Uh, the only things that I'll update you guys on, so uh, if you missed it, um, send a message or an email to support at STR Secrets. We had a free webinar last week once this comes out. Um, and I'll make sure that you guys get the recording, but Mike Riley and I, uh, did a deep dive training on how to launch automate and scale a short-term rental business. It was about an hour and a half long, um, went real deep on a lot of different stuff and hung around and answered a lot of really good questions. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, also, if you haven't already, make sure you, um, subscribe to the podcast and share it and leave us a review. Um, I love reading the reviews. Um, the stories that you guys share are awesome and it's super inspiring and it's, I'm really proud, honestly, like E and I had this idea to do this for a while and try and create as much actionable content for you guys as possible. And, you know, a lot of the messages and the reviews just highlight like the actionable content and you guys are going out there and taking action to make it happen, which is awesome. So kudos to you guys. And um, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other stuff. I know there is going on, but I want to get into it because today uh, we have my friend, Dr. Rachel on. E was super bummed that he wasn't going to make it. He's like, can we reschedule? I'm like, no, man, we're going to be respectful of our time. So turn that off. And uh, so let's get right into it. Let me do you official and read your bio here. So, oh man. So today we have Rachel Gainsbrook on. She owns and operates 18 luxury short-term rentals. Um, she got started in this business. She graduated with a lot of student debt, struggling to make ends meet, working multiple jobs and was getting burnt out. Rachel and her husband, being industrious, were on the lookout for ways to make extra passive income to get them through and build a future for themselves. They were lucky enough to find real estate and purchase their first investment property in 2019. It was a single family home that they converted to a luxury rental. And Rachel fell in love with the industry and while working her full-time job has expanded her portfolio to 18 luxury rentals. Some are owned, some are managed, some she's doing rental arbitrage. And it grows to six figures a month a month. Uh, she's coached numerous busy professionals on how to get their first or next luxury STR while avoiding the pitfalls she encountered along the way. Her strategy, her strategy is to own the least number of properties that generate the highest profitability. She's also an instructor at REI USA, a national RIA organization, and has been featured on Bigger Pockets, Netflix, and several podcasts. What she's most passionate about is that helping healthcare professionals create a life they do not need a vacation from through investing in profitable lifestyle assets, such as short-term rentals to positively influence their financial literacy so they can live transformative lives on their own terms. Rachel, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Oh my gosh, what an honor. I love what you are doing in this space. Just super inspired by it all. This has been a long time coming. We probably connected six or nine months ago on Clubhouse and I just loved your energy and your passion and just how willing you were to share everything. And um, we're like, man, we need to get her on the podcast. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. So I know I kind of ran through your bio and some of your backstory, but like kind of walk me through, cause it sounds like, you know, similar, similar backstories, the traditional route of like, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, pile up a whole bunch of debt, all that kind of stuff. So why don't you kind of walk us through that? And what was that epiphany moment for you that like real estate was the solution? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and thank you for reading that to the audience. And I want to just encourage everyone in the audience to follow Mike, uh, share this podcast, uh, you know, put in those reviews because what you're doing in the space is on a pretty much a voluntary um, level. And so if you know someone who could benefit from the message that Mike is putting out here, uh, please, please share that out with everyone because I know it has made a great impact on us in our business as well. So thank you so much, Mike, for what you're doing. But um, a little bit about our story, you know, you said it well, Mike, you know, you go to school, you um, once you're done, you work and work and work some more, you know, work to get out of debt and so on and so forth. But uh, once we started to see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, we determined, okay, it's time to start investing because uh, up until that point, we really didn't have a good amount of savings or a good amount of uh, a great plan for the future. We've got kiddos. We want them to have the option to go to college if they want to, and not just, you know, the robust savings, you know, got the debt under control. And we looked around to identify, okay, what should we invest in? And we looked at all sorts of investing um, asset types. We looked at, you know, anywhere from the stock market, Wall Street, we looked at real estate, we looked at cryptocurrency, we looked at all of the things, you know, but what we really wanted to do was to leverage our time capital and really find a way to really accelerate um, our, our, uh, our savings. And so uh, obviously, according to HGTV, right, you find a property, you fix, you flip it. And so we're like, yeah, this is going to be great. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? So we got a wholesaler reached out to us at the time. I don't think we knew it was a wholesaler, but a wholesaler essentially reached out, sent us a property, super cute looking little greenhouse. We're like, oh, this is fantastic. Uh, in Alabama, an hour and a half or two hours away from where we are in Georgia, and we drove over. They were super excited. The sun was glistening on this property. It was like, ah. and only for, I want to say under $30,000, maybe $28,000. Like, are you kidding me? This is a no-brainer. Well, <laughs> along the way, we're texting with the homeowner, right? And I, again, I thought the wholesaler was probably a realtor at the time, not understanding the whole situation. But when we're getting there, we're texting, yeah, we're excited. We can't wait. How many bedrooms? We're getting all the details. Well, we drive up to this property. And as we're getting there, we realize quickly that um, this was one of those uh, communities. I'm from the hood of Miami. So I'm like, okay, this looks familiar. <laughs> And then, so we get to the property, the roof is legitimately caving in. The entire, 
structure seems to be put together with caulking dripping from all sides. <laughs> and I kid you not, my husband's going towards the door because I'm the investor and he's just going along with my, you know, situation. I'm like, don't knock on the door, don't go, go, go. Like, I was so afraid of this house. We turned back. We didn't even go in. We're like, we're sorry. So I start texting the whole thing. I was like, have you been to, like, he's in New Jersey somewhere. He's never been to the house. It was probably a cold and I get all of that now. But yeah, nothing that was pictured. And so the aha moment, all this to say, the aha moment was when I realized, okay, I'm not a fix and flipper. I didn't have the appetite for that, you know, on my first deal, you know, now I can approach something like that. But on my first deal, I totally didn't have the appetite for that. Yes, $13,000 seems wonderful, right? But <laughs> in all reality, what really are you going to get for $13,000? So that's when I made the um, assessment, you know, we're going to probably be investing in properties that are closer to market value, which we do. And so we have no qualms with putting a roof on, not us personally, but something that's a little bit lower than market, we'll add a roof, we'll um, lipstick, right? Carpet, paint, and so on and so forth. But we're not going, we're not doing gut jobs or any of that. And then for us, we, we kind of branded ourselves that way. We are the luxury short-term rental investors because we're both busy professionals. We can't really absorb an, an additional project management project which is what it would take to really run that type of a that type of a business so that's my story <laughs> oh, man. so how did how did you find the the first str and did you know that you were going to run it as a short-term rental or were you planning on doing long-term and then like what happened there yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I'm a spreadsheet jockey. I live in spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. And so when I ran the numbers of different scenarios, I realized quickly that short-term rentals was the way for us to accelerate our income uh, from real estate. And so real estate, again, is something that we understood for the most part. Uh, we did not understand any other um, strategy, but we looked at syndications, we looked at multifamily, we looked at in, investing in industri industrial, you know, commercial, we looked at it all. The only numbers that panned out for us at that time in 2019 was short-term rentals to give us that accelerated growth, equity, cash flow, all of the above. And so we had consumed maybe um, 100 years worth, we me probably hundred years worth of bigger pockets, um, real estate guys, all of it, and just consume, consume, consume. And then when a property in our own backyard, literally 2.2 miles away from our home, went on the market um, and appeared to be close to 100K less than what we believed it was valued at, uh, we jumped on it. So this was on literally the MLS Zillow. And we said, wow, that's not right. And so we put an offer in and uh, while other investors were asking for things, uh, contingencies, um, we said we, we pay for it all, no contingencies, no nothing, because we just knew it was our market. We knew exactly what that property was worth. And turns out the homeowner had passed away and the house was um, in a trust and his son had inherited it from out of state. And he just was looking to offload it 
neither he nor the realtor knew what they had in their hands. And it just popped up on, on an alert on Zillow. And lo and behold, we won that property and we haven't looked back since. I love it. I love it. And so your strategy, and I love how you put this in your bio, because Ian, and I say this all the time, the number of units that you have to me is kind of irrelevant. It's more about like, what is the profitability and the revenue potential from the portfolio that you have? So you've strategically positioned yourself to only focus on luxury properties. So you don't need 50 or hundred units. I think you're at what, 18 now. Yeah. And how do you, and you're in a couple different markets too. Remind me you're in Georgia, Florida, and the Poconos. The Poconos yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, We've got a lot of students in the Poconos. It seems to be a, a nice little spot up there. So yeah, yeah. Um, great. But kind of talk through like your strategy now. So like how, what's your approach to these properties? And are there extra things that you need to consider when you get into more of that luxury space as far as like amenities or design or like the whole guest experience for like a higher end property? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. So there are certain things that you can do to update a property. And on a quarter by quarter basis, we look to either update our property, like do minor updates. And we have a list of things we want to implement for property um, uh, quarterly. But there there are things that just you would be a non-starter. Let me just be completely transparent with that, okay? So, um, but there's leeway in between there, right? So here's what a non-starter would be. This is a property that I absolutely would not be able to purchase to market as luxury. Is a property that has zero curb appeal. And as you approach that property, the whole neighborhood is a little bit uh, run down and the neighbors you know, aren't taking care of their homes and the particular property, like no curb appeal because how, how do you control that? You can't, right? Everything else after that is controllable, okay? So now if I have two great properties and I'm selecting one for um, versus one versus another, definitely I would utilize um, the amenity tools that are out there. I would search to identify what are the top amenities that are sought after for that um, particular market. Okay, so some markets, I will tell you the Poconos uh, has multiple seasons, two seasons really, uh, where we are going to be going there for the lake versus skiing, right? So a pool and a hot tub is very necessary for the Poconos, but the Rosemary Beach market or Seacrest Beach, to which you and I are familiar with, a hot tub, not so much, right? not so much. And you will see hot tubs in that market only in the condo communities, but not in the single family home. So if I'm looking to purchase a property in Rosemary Beach or somewhere um, around there, I would definitely look for something with a swimming pool because that is huge out there. It is one of the amenities that is most sought after for that um, community. So those kinds of things for sure. Other things um, are pretty easy, I would say, and pretty um, cost-effective to implement. Like if my guests ask for a private pilot, you know, they don't have to know that I don't know of a private pilot. I go out to my network, hey, I need a private pilot. And within a day or so, I have a private pilot, which is extraordinary because I was like, who asks? Who are these people? I'm like from Haiti, an underserved country. I'm like, private pilot. 
private chef, sure, I'll find you a private chef. And I find some of the best ones in the community. And then I add them on to as a part of our partnerships or resources uh, for that property. And so it's a matter of coordinating it or getting my uh, team to help coordinate some of that to make sure that our, our guests, you know, are getting the things that they need. Now, um, I'm not in the ultra luxury market yet. The ultra luxury is where you would have a, an in-house butler and all of that, you know? And so I have a friend who's in that market and uh, his price point for the property he's managing it, he manages, they're like 12,000 a night, which is insane. And you enter the property via aircraft. I'm like, okay, got it, <laughs> you know? So very, very different um, type of uh, market. So there is a difference between luxury and ultra luxury as well. So to quantify it, and I'm, I know it kind of varies by market, but what would you quantify luxury? Like 500 a night, 1,000 a night? And obviously it depends on the size of the properties, but like what's kind of like that line you think? It is by market. So I would say in the Southeast, um, it would be about 700 up to 1500 a night on average. Okay. Peak season is going to be more. The Poconos are similar. Um, I've seen 1500 a night, you know, so when you're getting into closer to the four digit per night rate, that's going to be closer to luxury. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And so taking that guest experience to the next level for the luxury properties, like finding private chefs, finding you know, charter and planes or whatever it is. Are you working out commission structures with these or are you just partnering with them and just offering that as an additional resource for the guests? I have been offering it as, a, as an additional resource for the guests in the market that we serve right now, but we are thinking of implementing something like that in the, in the near future, you know, a commission or a flat rate per referral as well, which is a great way to continue to grow the business. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, let me ask you this for you. Like, what's your goal with the business? Like, where do you see yourself going and what's kind of like your vision? Yeah. Thanks for asking. And I just got a text. We're actually launching a unit today. So <laughs> I just got a message from the team. Uh, so, so I would, um, I would love to go a little bit more passive with it, Mike. And, and I love what I do. I, I think it's really fun. I love the set up the design and being kind of the head of doing that. But um, years down the line, I, I'm implementing systems right now so that if I decide I want to sell the business, I can sell the business, you know? Uh, so the systems are going to be key. Having my standard operating procedures is going to be key. And so um, my goal is to continue to grow it, you know, and continue to gain uh, more profitability uh, for the next buyer, but I anticipate one day I will sell it. I don't know when, maybe one year, maybe a hundred years. Who knows? I love it. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's for the listeners, like if you're, there's no right or wrong reason to get into the business, but it's just having clarity around what's the end game for you. Like, what do you, what do you want to take this to? And so either way, developing systems and processes in a team is vital now. So on that note, like what is, what does your team look like now with 18 properties? Yeah, that's a great question. So I will say that my team is um, different per market uh, and that's 
depending on the workforce and the availability of workers, you know? So uh, in the Poconos market, my team has uh, 10 cleaners. Uh, there are uh, four virtual assistants that serve there as well as uh, a maintenance team of, I have a manager and there are three uh, as needed uh, maintenance workers that works with him. And so um, that's what that team looks like in the Poconos. Uh, it's are not- those W-2 or is it all contract based? 70% uh, is W-2. Okay, nice. And so that was a shift that was made because it's a challenge to maintain uh, uh, great workers in rural areas. So uh, that is a strategy that has worked uh, tremendously there placing them on W-2, some of the um, cleaners have been able to, you know, purchase homes because of the W-2. So having that steady W-2 income has really impacted their lives in a positive way. Uh, the team in the Georgia markets and Florida markets are a little bit different. Uh, you know, my cleaners are a little bit more as needed. I actually utilize an app called Turnover BNB to source some of my cleaners next door to source some of my cleaners. So I have multiple cleaners and so I can kind of pick and choose. So that's been really, really great for the Southeast markets. And nice. uh, I have Quick three- plug, We're having the CEO of Turnover BNB on next week. So we'll have a soft on next week. So really? Yeah. So great. If you guys are looking for cleaners, it's an awesome source for finding quality short-term rental cleaners. So yeah, just to plug them real quick because I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs, so. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And the cleaners, they, they do Airbnb cleans and they get rated and reviewed. So you have that visibility there, which is fantastic. That's awesome, Mike. I'm super yeah. excited about that. Yeah. Cleaners are the backbone of our business, aren't they? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Cause again, like you have these beautiful luxury properties, but if a guest shows up and it's not clean, they don't notice the beautiful chandelier. They notice the crap all over the place. Like, oh yeah. Oh you know, yeah. It doesn't matter. Timely cleans, absolutely. And our cleaners, you know, we believe in ownership. Like they take ownership. They leave a card with their name. My name's so-and-so. I cleaned your, you know, your house Ooh, today. That's a good idea. That's accountability at a new level. Oh, I yeah. like that. I cleaned your house today and, you know, I'm here to serve you. I want you to have a five-star stay. Our bonus is dependent on our cleans. And so please... Let me know if you need anything or if anything was missed. My cell phone number is this and you got to take your tail back and fix it, you know? So we do have a uh, white glove, you know, inspectors also, but yeah, extreme accountability <laughs> because it's hard. It's hard out here on these streets, Mike. Cleaning is hard, you know? And even your excellent cleaners will have an off day. So they, they really need to take ownership of that to make sure the guest is taken care of. Yeah. hundred percent. Like you said, even the best ones, we still, every once in a while, we'll have an issue where they'll miss a clean or something will come up and it's like, all right, guys, come on. Like you gotta be on your A game here. Um, yeah. But then also rewarding them when mm -hmm. they do well, right? Like bonusing them and treating them well. Yeah. And I think we've reiterated it so many times on the podcast. So if you guys haven't listened to a good chunk of the episodes, you'll see that theme throughout that take care of your people, like let them know that you yes. care, treat them well, pay them well, like they are the lifeblood of your business. So. Yeah. And I believe we have the highest paid cleaners in the Poconos and we pay our cleaners very well, you know, yeah. because we, and, but we, they work hard, you know, we, we have high expectations 
but we pay them very, very well too. So hundred percent. So <clears throat> it's kind of a tough question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Oh. Of the three markets that you're in, which one would you say is kind of your favorite that you're growing in? Or are you kind of growing in all three at the same time? Or are you kind of leaning more towards one market right now versus another that you're in? Well, I think my heart is in Florida. So from a fun perspective, I do love the beach. I love the Florida market for sure. Um, the Poconos does have its perks from a cost-effective perspective. For instance, you know, people look at our properties, Mike, and they're like, oh, Rachel, she's, you know, getting all these million dollar properties. And the Poconos, we're able to get properties anywhere from 175 to 300,000, which is, you know, and then deck it out and make it luxury and so on and so forth. So still we're able to get cost effective properties. Uh, it feels like way back when now it's a little bit more than that, double that at least, you know. So I love the fact that the Poconos is cost-effective. Um, Georgia, what's interesting about Georgia, it is a non-vacation rental market that I am in. And so it's it's been interesting. I would say that we're growing the most right now in Georgia. I'm local to Georgia um, because we are getting a lot of demand for, from the film industry and the workforce industry. So we've had... Um, you know, one of our properties in Georgia was featured on a, a Netflix TV show. I'm still under NDA, so I can't say the name of the show or any of that. But um, we serve the film industry. We've had executive directors of ma major TV shows stay at our properties and, and so on and so forth. So in that market, um, the properties that we purchase for our portfolio range from, I want to say 290 and the highest was 460 was the most expensive. And so, yeah, we're, we're definitely- so Is that around Atlanta or what part of Georgia are we talking about? Uh, south of Atlanta, um, just, yeah, just south of Atlanta, a little bit south of Atlanta. Okay, nice, that's awesome. And congrats on the Netflix thing. I know we can't talk too much about it, but that's freaking awesome. Oh, thank so you. congratulations. I know, it was, it was an incredible experience for sure. So getting, I guess, back, we talked about the team as far as like a- back end of the house type of thing because like you said you and your husband are still working jobs that you enjoy so mm -hmm. what type of technologies are you guys using to you know automate some of that stuff so that you're not so involved in the business like the day-to-day -day stuff yeah that's a great question so my husband did go to part-time so he's um, cut back some and I'm actually um, cutting back a bit myself but um, some of the tools that we use, of course, is noise monitoring. Uh, we use um, a ring door camera as well as, um, you know, peripheral property camera. Uh, we use the Vivint system at some of our units as well uh, for security and for the remote lock. We use remote locks. Um, what else do we use for automation? We use uh, the entire automation suite for uh, home automation, the thermostats and all of that. But to be honest, my uh, virtual assistants have been really um, incredible when it comes to monitoring, <laughs> these monitoring devices. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we do have an escalation plan in place where for instance, in one market, we have the constable on retainer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. 
on the show. So if the escalation plan is for the guests to respond after two or three times and they haven't responded to the noise, you know, alert and there's still noise, then the constable will knock on the door and uh, evict if needed. Or in another market, we have a private security uh, guard that will knock on the door and evict. And so our virtual assistants kind of um, monitor that and, and work through the escalation uh, process. I love it. And I'm assuming you have some type of like PMS and pricing tools and all that jazz. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. I would say if, um, if I only had one um, tool in my entire technology stack, it would be a pricing tool, period. We would not be here today if not for the pricing tool because, oh my goodness, I was doing it myself and I thought I was doing a great job until the pricing tool came on board and it was a game changer. I would even manually manage the channel myself, but I could not do the pricing tool. <laughs> like if I only had one tool, but if I, if I had two tools in my technology stack, everyone guys, you need a channel manager and a pricing tool. So we have a channel manager in one market, uh, in most markets, we actually have a full blown PMS in, in our Poconos market. Uh, we have pricing tools, we have all of the things, but if someone's getting started, channel manager, pricing tool, that's what you need, period. 100%. People are like, oh, should I just use Airbnb smart pricing? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no don't do that. Never. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I've looked at the rates and like they recommend like 30% less than like what we charge typically, like on average. Same, so. same. And it's almost a conflict of interest, right? And they just want it booked, you know? Exactly. Do whatever How many users can we get on the platform? How many bookings can we show? All that stuff. So yeah. nothing wrong. Like I get it, but mm -hmm. just understand that you're going to leave money on the table if you go that route. So absolutely. Um, awesome. So let me ask you this. Is there any questions that I haven't asked you that you want me to ask you? Oh, that's a good question. I think you've asked me everything, Mike, really. I think this has been a pretty enlightening conversation. <laughs> I probably need you to keep me accountable to when I cut down my hours at W2, because that's something that I keep flopping back and forth on. And it's something that I admire you for because you really took a step back and you, <laughs> I ripped you, the bandaid off. You ripped it off. Oh my gosh. And I heard you speak about it and just, just totally inspirational. And I love the reaction. Uh, I heard the story, the reaction of your superiors was like, oh, you know what? You know, I was just, super nervous positive. to do it. Like I was really nervous. Um, I didn't even tell my wife that I was doing it that day. True, true, true story. She had no clue I was doing it. She knew I was thinking about it, but she didn't know I was going to do it. And I called my boss on the way into work and I told him, I'm like, listen, you know, they all knew I was in real estate and I was doing short-term rentals. And they were like, oh, that's, that's cute. That's cool. And um, I was like, listen, I, I've replaced my salary with this and I'm going to go full time. And uh, that was in November of 2019. Getting an echo here. Um, anyway, and, uh, he was like, wow, man, that's amazing. Like, I'm super proud of you and I'm super jealous of you. Like you've built this thing up on the side and gotten to the point now that you can go pursue this thing full time. And so I worked 
another like two months to help transition everything back over. And uh, then we ripped a bandaid off and I went full steam, full-time real estate investor right before COVID hit. <laughs> and uh, we ended up doing, we actually did pretty good during COVID, but it was kind of like one of those moments where that voice in the back of your head starts going like, should you have done this? Like, should you have gone full-time? Like, was this too risky or whatever? But I was already all in at that point. I was like, no, like we're going to get creative. We're going to figure this out. We're going to fill the units and um, we're going to be fine. And we did. So. I think it's incredible. I love hearing it every time. Like, thank you for sharing that story. You know, you just, you don't always know, you know, how people get to where they are and what was that pivotal moment and what was the day, you know, the day that they made the decision. And so thank you for sharing that. I can't wait to share my story as well. <laughs> well, when you do, we're having you back on here. So you can tell everybody else that it's absolutely possible. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of one, it has to be in alignment with what you want. Like if you love what you're doing, cool. Like keep doing that and let this build some wealth for you. But if you're feeling stuck and you're not enjoying what you're doing, like this is a vehicle that can get you there faster than any other investing strategy I've ever seen. Like I did it in a year and a half, like start to finish for me, my wife and retired my mom in a year and a half. Like that's crazy. So it's wow. totally possible. But um, before we get into the last question, I want to acknowledge you again and thank you for coming on and being so open and willing to share everything. Um, where can the listeners learn more about you, your properties, get in touch, um, learn more about your resources I think you're getting into some coaching stuff, all sorts of good stuff. So where can folks learn more about you and all the good stuff that you have to offer? Yeah, the best place to find me really is on Instagram. And my handle is at short.term.gems. That's at short.term.gems. And I kind of keep that updated so you all can see what I'm up to, whether I'm, I'm actually headed to BRMA in a couple of weeks, or if I'm, you know, doing something with a master class, or if I have something going on with a Facebook group, if you reach out to me there, you'll be definitely um, in the know of where I'm at and what I'm up to. I love it. I love it. So the last question that we ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Ooh, yes. That's my favorite question. Um, honestly, it's resilience, you know, just pushing through. Uh, some days are just incredible, amazing. It's like, yay, short-term rentals. Yay, me. Yay, you know, this entire hospitality industry, right? And other days, it's not so much. <laughs> okay. Other days, it's, it's super, super hard. But you know what you know. Um, push through, you know, especially if it's something that you're definitely passionate about. Um, we, we like to say we know our client avatar. We know what they want. We know what their needs are, you know. And as long as we push through, um, even on the, on the tough days, you know, you'll see your, your, the results at the other side of it. So definitely resilience. You, you gotta be able to be resilient. It's not all, you know, the fluff and the rainbows that you see posted online, the after pictures you need. Uh, one of my presentations, I show you the before pictures where it's like, I'm in a car and the furniture is like literally surrounding me. And then it's a hot trash mess at the unit. But then on picture day, everything's just pristine, right? You need, to, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I love being in it for the long haul. Like you said, it's not, it's an overnight success, right? You're not going to do it in, you know, overnight, but you know what, once, you know, you break through the bottleneck, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's just an incredible, incredible business. So be resilient. I love <laughs> that. Secret. I love that. And I'll add on one thing too. surround yourself with other people that will support, encourage, and challenge you, right? Like Rachel and I met on Clubhouse. I've got a bunch of other friends that I met through Clubhouse that like, if I have issues or I have questions, I know I can reach out to any one of them. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm banging my head against the wall with this thing. Like, what would you do? Or what do you, how do you handle this? Right? So when you have that support network of people that are actually in the game, not just family, friends, loved ones who care about you, but if they're not doing this, they're going to give you advice that is based on nothing and they're not doing it to hurt you, but like, ask the right people for advice. Don't ask your mom for STR advice if she's never even done a piece of real estate, right? Like go to the right sources for the right advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I kid you not, I'm in a number of STR related masterminds. You know, I, it's, it's so worth it to get, to surround yourself with those that are in, in it, you know, in the trenches along with you. So learned a lot from them. 100%. 100%. 100%. Well, Dr. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Truly appreciate you and uh, excited to see where the next 12 months takes you on this journey. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you as well. All right. Take care, everybody. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.